1: everybody how's it going we're back from a nice long week off isn't that right ben
2: yes <laughs> very nice very spacey and mellowed out man oh not the fired up guy I used to be because I took a week off, dude. I lost a little of that edge. Right, Maybe I'll like, get
1: it back. It's only I'm been a week. The show is over. Only been a week. <laughs> Talking like it's been a year or
2: something. Your Benjirovsky I, I show screwed up the the name of our guest's group. That's how much I've lost. It never would have happened if I hadn't taken the week off. The Boy, this, never would have
1: happened. This bit of honesty is getting us nowhere. Could have kept that to yourself. <laughs> No one had to know that. Hey, what's going on, live stream chat? Yes, we are back. All right. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, March 30th is just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. That is correct. The Chicago Federation of Labor sponsors. That is correct. As well as the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know about the city of Chicago where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, how to think politically. So many questions. If you are a clueless Chicagoan, get a clue. Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com. Subscribe, and you can help out The Ben Jarofsky Show and The Chicago Reader by becoming a bin head. Yeah, that's what we call avid listeners of this program now. It's true. There's three tiers that you can sign up for when becoming a bin head. You can be in the alley, which Ben overlooks every day on the Ben Jarowski show. Ben, by the way, can we get a porta potty update in the alley? All right,
2: hold on. Hold on. Hey, get, get away. Go. Okay, not allowed to eat the porta potty. That porta I'm potty, eating in the porta potty,
1: man. That porta potty update was brought to you by Chicago Reader. That's cool, right? So you can be in the alley, all right? Or you can be on the avenue level, or you can be on Benny Boulevard. What does that mean? Not sure. But you can be on Benny Boulevard, and you will get a, uh, a copy of Ben's book, the greatest hits from the Chicago Reader. If you become a Boulevard member, you'll get a deal on uh, the book if you join The Avenue. Yeah, you don't get any kind of deal on the book, but you will be subscribed to the newsletter from The Chicago Reader uh, if you join The Alley. All right, so Chicagoreader.com slash J O R A V as in Victory, S K Y, for all the information you need to know about that. Chicagoreader.com. We love them. The Ben Jorowski Show starts now. Tuesday, March 30th, and live from my new apartment and, well, his same old attic. This is The Ben Jaroski Show. Today on the program, we're talking the filibuster with Indivisible Evanston's Rosie Reese. Now, your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarovsky.
2: Hello, everybody. Ben Jarovsky here. We're calling this Groundhog Day Tuesday. And here's why because nothing ever changes. That's why. Okay, let me back up. Yes, as Dennis said, we've been gone on a much needed, much deserved week off. Dennis looks tanned and rested. He spent the week skiing in the Rockies, Rocky Mountain High, and all that. I did not do that. <laughs> Look pretty good, D. Well, no, tell the folks what you did. You had a monumental uh, week off. You accomplished a lot. They can't see it because. Only a handful of people, as I explained to our guest earlier this week, get to see our show as we talk it. But I can see that you have a new backdrop. So talk about what happened this week in your life.
1: Well, while we were gone this week, I moved. Uh, I was in Albany Park. Now I'm in Pilsen. And for the first time in my life, I am living with a girlfriend. <laughs>
2: wow that dang man that was going deeper into what has changed than i expected to go yeah but you know let's take it there let's go there first of all congratulations on the move and living with the girlfriend thank you thank you so and far it, so good yes yeah, so it's only been a week ladies and gentlemen no no it's so far so good and i could tell that uh the girlfriend has definitely upgraded your life because it's a beautiful backdrop there's some kind of like you told me yesterday. I can't remember now. Is it a rug or a carpet or so, a blanket? Uh, b- Before I
1: moved in, uh, my girlfriend had the maintenance man uh, take all the shelving out of the walk-in closet, and now it is a studio. So I got rugs nailed up on the wall here, two nice little rugs. Looks like I'm from the 70s. Uh, and then, uh, I got more soundproofing to do, but yeah, new digs here. Yeah. So we're going to get the video going. Uh, that's coming up very shortly, by the way.
2: Yeah. And speaking of new digs, hold on. I, mean, I got a new microphone. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to, uh, Amy at the reader. She hooked up some kind of deal with uh sure's microphone. I got a new microphone. The only problem is I don't have a, well, I have a, an old stand that I think you can use that <laughs> stand. It's <this> too much. <laughs> yeah i would I would show the the listeners, except unfortunately, there's only three people that I can see it. So really, what's the point oh, of showing
1: the off? mountains you have to climb to get this guy going on a podcast.
2: Uh, but my, my my new microphone is over there, and I swear. <laughs> I will have that thing set up mm, within a month. Okay. You know, it takes me a while. It's like, a USB mic
1: from the company. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. Sure.
2: We sure do like it. Sorry. Yeah. We sure do like, it. Hey, sure. Anytime you want to set a microphone stand. Oh my God. Now it looks like I'm complaining about the microphone. Just forget that. Sure. Thank you for the microphone. I'll just set it up. It'll pay. My, I think my wife's going to do with this for me this weekend. Anyway. So Dennis did not go to the Rockies to go skiing, but he does look tanned and rested. As for me, I spent the week wandering around in the days. I've been taking a deep dive on a much larger project about my life, digging deep into unknown mental terrain. And I'd be walking at night alone in my thoughts, thinking about what it is that I'm writing on this larger project, or be lying in my bed, reading a book that has nothing to do with what's going on in the news. I'd be like away from it, even though I was still where I was when I was in the middle of it. But every now and then, like a news item would flash across my consciousness the daily newspapers, updates from the New York Times, texts from friends, Keith, Jim Coogan, Frank, thank you. The latest text from Frank shows that the Republicans are still crazy. And it was like, when I would have these momentary interruptions from the deep mental dive that I was taking, I came to the realization that nothing has changed. We are still insane as a people in this country as when I was paying close attention. We were insane then, we are insane now. That's why I call it Groundhog Day, the movie where Bill Murray wakes up and it's the same old, same old every day. Although it could also be called Happy Death Day, which is a movie, a much more recent movie, which literally stole the same story from Groundhog Day and turned it into a slasher flick where this college co-ed wakes up and has the same day every day culminating in her death, and then she has to figure out who's the person that's killing her. Not a bad movie, by the way. I think they must have been thinking, you know, like millennials aren't going to know about Groundhog Day. Let's just make it. But now that I think about it, they made a th- third remake. Andy Sandberg is Palm Springs. But I digress enough on movies. Focus, Ben. Focus. So this is this is what stayed the same, and I'll run down a brief list. Huge stimulus check from Joe Biden and the Dems. Getting ready to uh, spend our way out of the doldrums. Exceedingly popular with the country. Not one. Republican voted for it. We all know that. And still, a couple weeks uh, later, not one Republican will concede that it was a good idea that's good for the country. Instead, they're waging culture wars. There's a story in the paper just today about a fight in South Dakota. MAGA's enraged that trans people are playing sports as women. Ben Shapiro and Joe Rogan are fired up over this. This is the best you got, MAGA? This is the best you can do? Joe Biden holds a press conference. First one he's done. MAGA wants to know: Did he drool? The bar is so low with Joe Biden. All he has to do is not drool; it'll be considered a triumph. He passed. Well, I actually yes, have I have, from, from, I have audio. I have audio from you, that speech. Oh, yeah,
0: play
1: the radio. Make sure the television. Excuse TV. me. Make sure you have the record player on at night. The, 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 the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. Still trying to figure out what that means, but I got the audio. <laughs>
2: yeah. He was actually better than that. That, of course, was a debate from 2019. I forget what was. What was he trying to do? I forget what the question was. I think it was about education. I think he forgot what the question was too. Yeah, <laughs> he's trying to get out of the debate. He goes, "Well, I didn't do any damage in the debate. I'm the front runner. I didn't say anything stupid." So they asked him, "I forget what. Something about education." Huh. <laughs> hey, he still got elected. People don't care, MAGA. People don't care. The guy who had run in the country, Donald Trump, was insane. And they'll take the guy who's a little loopy. They don't care. That was a big issue for Magabo. Every now and then, my thoughts are be interrupted by a report about the ship stuck in the Suez Canal, which is a serious situation, don't get me wrong. But it's as close as we came this year to that alligator story in the Humboldt, Humboldt Park Lagoon. Remember that one day? Oh, do I miss 2019, my favorite story of the summer? You know, like updates, breathless updates. Can they get the alligator out of the lagoon? Well, this was like, can they get that boat out of the uh, Suez Canal? I've mean, like, seen a whole lot departure. of departures, some turtles. Uh, no gators yet,
1: though.
2: No gators yet. That ship's still in the, in the Suez Canal. They finally got it out. But it was a departure from the carnage. Updates uh, from the scene. And speaking of the carnage, unspeakable slaughter continues. We were still in the air with the mass shootings in Georgia, but that was followed by mass shootings in Boulder, Colorado, followed by weekends of violence in big cities like right here in Chicago. We all know what must be done, folks. Some sort of gun control. Try to minimize the availability of weaponry. But there will not be gun control until we get rid of gerrymandering. Gerrymandering is a situation where they guarantee the election and the re-election of batshit crazy Republicans by packing Democrats into a handful of districts and spreading out the Republicans to maximize their strength. We need fair congressional maps. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ben, how could you be for fair maps when you spent the last two to three weeks writing and talking how you're against fair maps? I know I'm starting to sound a little like John Kerry. I was for it before I was against it, or I was against it before I was for it. But no, I am for fair maps nationwide, not just in Illinois. I want real fair maps as opposed to the Illinois version, which would take the lunatics who are not in power in the state and give them more power under the guise of fairness. Speaking of lunatics, the virus is surging. We told you it was. Well, I shouldn't say surging. The fear is that it will be a surge, a resurge. People don't wear their masks. Everywhere I go, it's like a party. I'm like the old man. I feel like the party pooper. I'm watching the news, and they're they're showing party. College kids down in Florida, partying in the streets. No one's wearing a mask. I'm like some old man. Put your masks on.
1: Yeah, you're like
2: some old man. Yeah, you're like. (laughs) Dennis is like, they're kids. They want to party. Let them party. Finally, my absolute favorite story of the week. Sydney Powell, the batshit crazy lawyer for Trump, the one who tagged team with Rudy Giuliani to espouse the most insane theories about the presidential election of 2020. I don't know if you saw this folks, I would have been talking about it all week had it been on the air last week. She had all these insane theories about the Dominion voting machines, somehow or other, those voting machines have been programmed according to Sidney Powell to convert Trump votes into Biden votes. And so that even though The vote count showed that Biden won by 7 million. If you take away the votes, that the Dominion machine flipped, Trump would have won. Well, Dominion sued her, and her lawyer filed a response to the suit, says that Dominion's lawsuit against her, claiming they've been defamed, has no merit because, get ready for this, ladies and gentlemen, no reasonable person would believe the batshit crazy theory she espoused. That's her defense. No reasonable person would believe it, so she should be free to say whatever she wants. Oh yeah? It, well, if no one believes it, tell me, Sidney Powell, why at this moment do we have Republican legislators across the country proposing laws to make it harder for Democrats to vote, especially black people? Their justification is they want to keep other elections from being stolen, even though this election wasn't stolen. So they create a non-existent problem, the made up theft of an election, and they create a solution, in quotes, that makes it harder for people to vote, which will only cause more problems. So if no reasonable person believes that the theory is that the election was stolen, why are they creating all these laws? why did trump spend the last three months crying theft why did they hold a stop the steal rally in washington on the january 6th why did maga storm the capitol to undo the so-called theft remember sydney powell said no reasonable people so huge parts of the country are still in the hands of unreasonable people like i said ladies and gentlemen nothing's changed. We got a great show today, everybody. Rosie Reese will be here. Yes, that Rosie Reese from Indivisible Evanston. Not Indivisible Chicago, Indivisible. We've had people from Indivisible Chicago on, but this is Indivisible Evanston. But I I'm going to let the cat out of the bag oh, in this one. Can we hear it? Okay, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> also,
1: also, you said you were uh, earlier in your intro. You were digging deep. Can we get a new sound effect in the archive? Can we hear uh, digging deep <laughs> oh, with a shovel or uh, uh, like a? Hey, my name's not on the banner.
2: <laughs> that's a sound effect. That's good. We that's have good. That's digging uh, deep, a great, guys. Uh, a DJ production uh, genius Natus, is listening he's like, "Wow, damn, that's good sound effects." <laughs> that's me digging deep into my mind. That's a place you don't want to go deep. Hey, you do not want to go digging deep into my mind. For any new listeners,
1: can we hear a flip-flopping?
2: I still got it. Just making sure. I take a week off. I still got it. Hey, B E Z. You hear those? You hear those sound effects? W B E Z. Come on, man. You
1: should hire me or yeah, your production staff. Still burning that bridge,
2: huh? <laughs> Why not? I told you nothing's changed. Anyway, I was talking to my good friend Lenny uh, from Indivisible Chicago, and she said, look, if you want to have the expert on filibuster, and I do want to talk to filibuster, I believe the Dems uh, should man and woman it up and get rid of that uh, filibuster at least – I don't know. We could talk about all the different ways, the variations. Anyway, she said you got to talk to Rosie. She knows it inside and out. So I reached out, cut a deal, and we're going to bring her on the show uh, in a little while. Before we do, I just want to do a news update. My favorite local story, um, because it's so Chicago, uh, that's been unfolding the whole week I was gone, has to do with the Reto Hospital, the West Side Hospital, uh, which uh, got a huge supply, I don't know how huge it was, but I got a supply of the vaccines in order to immunize people in the uh, surrounding Austin area, a poor area. Uh, The notion was that uh, the people in this community of Austin were hit hit hardest uh, by the virus, and so you should get them the vaccines, put them at the head of the line, so to speak. So the city made sure that Loretto Hospital had uh, a healthy supply of vaccines. And as we all know, as the stories unfolded, the people who run uh, Loretto were doling it out. It's like a classic Chicago thing. I got something good. I'll give it to you if you... I don't know what they wanted for it. Maybe down the road, somewhere to help them out. So they, like the the head of Loretto lives in the uh, Trump Tower. He was vaccinating all the people who work at Trump Tower. That, that, I I, that didn't bother me that much because most of the people who worked at Trump Tower that he was vaccinating, apparently, were employees who themselves, you know, were on the front lines uh, dealing with the residents of Trump Towers. I didn't bother that much. But then he was like joking that he gave the vaccine to Eric Trump, which made me forget for a moment that the Trump, I know it's it's called Trump Tower, you think I wouldn't forget that the Trump's actually run the hotel within Trump Tower, but I'd forgotten. I thought they just put their name on the building and fled Chicago and left us with that horrifically ugly sign over the Chicago river. Anyway, so the story keeps coming out every day. So it's a new group every day. So judges, Cook County judges were given the vaccine, even though they're not a vulnerable, particularly vulnerable group. I mean, they're not me- meeting in courtrooms anymore. It's all virtual. What else, the other like politicians, every day it seems like a new group, clouded group was getting the vaccine. Everyone in Chicago shocked, outraged, a typical, I'm like, guys, this is what I've been trying to tell you forever. This is how they do it in Chicago. You've heard of Robin Hood, and Chicago's reverse Robin Hood. We got something that's supposed to be for poor people, for people who uh, need a ha- help, particularly because they're most exposed. Let's give it to rich people and clouded people. It's called the TIF program. Same thing, tax increment finance, but I'm talking and writing about it for years. You got economic development funds that are supposed to be for poor, blighted neighborhoods, and most of them are spent in well-to-do, unblighted neighborhoods. It's so classically Chicago. But you know what, the, the, the TIF program is so hard to explain and understand, it's complicated. It's sort of like the filibuster we're going to get into. It's complicated. So the lesson that Chicago power brokers have learned is that if you really want to get away with some grand form of municipal larceny, if you really want to like, take some money or funds or resources that are for poor people and give it to your wealthy crony friends. What you do is you have to concoct a program that's so complicated. Nobody will understand it. Except for one, one lunatic who writes for the Chicago Reader and has a podcast. And then, because he's pretty much the only guy who talks about it, everyone thinks he's crazy. Oh, well, there you go again with that Tiff talk. A oh, freaking lunatic. you loser. You're in the attic with Dennis who's actually now in a palatial palace somewhere in Pilsen. So even you are not hanging around in the old apartment where the guy would be drilling all the time. Anyway, I really uh, was following that story closely. It just seems like they took the vaccine... Uh, and turned it into a Chicago Health Department version of the TIF program. We're going to take the deep dive with the great Rosie Reese talking filibusters, national politics. What can we do to unclog this system in which a minority of lunatic Republicans have much more power than they should have because they don't have that much support with the wider population that votes we're going to be talking about the filibuster after we take this break
1: and now the list of things that you can buy at the chicago reader store at chicagoreader.com paper since 1971. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky show live from my apartment and his attic.
2: Uh, when I uh, reached out to, to my good friends at uh, Lenny at Indivisible Chicago and said, uh, who can you bring on? Uh, To talk filibuster, she said, Rosie Reese from Indivisible Evanston. She knows the filibuster from A to Z. Uh, What needs to be changed and uh, what could happen if it is changed. So I said, let's bring Rosie on to have a full ranging discussion on this. So, Rosie, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much. Glad to be here.
2: And uh, before we uh, take the deep dive in the filibuster, tell folks a little bit about how you got to this stage in your life uh, where you uh, have this, I would call a creative obsession uh, with the filibuster and uh, that you've um, become a, uh, an expert on it. So talk a little bit about uh, how you got to this, became such a political activist, go ahead.
0: Well, you know, um, when I was working full time and had my kids and was raising my family, uh, I was interested but not active, so you know I would uh, make contributions to candidates, but I really wasn't out there doing the work. And then in uh, 2016, our you know full Donald Trump got elected, and thank God it just so happened that I was retiring on February 1st of 2017, and so my life took a huge detour from working and not paying attention. To working and paying a lot of attention um and my goal for the last four years and unfortunately continues uh is you know to get rid of trump out of office but also now to get rid of trumpism and to get rid of the republicans who are enabling trumpism to continue so uh, i got involved in uh, indivisible evanston uh in 2017 we had four groups in evanston that uh Uh, started indivisible groups and ultimately by September 2017 we merged into one group and we have been very, very active um, getting people involved and doing all kinds of things, canvassing before COVID, phone banking, text banking, postcarding, rallies, marches. We are doing everything and we feel really good about the fact that we got Trump out of office and now we got to make sure that we, you know, keep uh, the House in 2022 and we get senate and you know get more senators elected in 2020.
2: Yeah, it's a very fragile majority to put it mildly right. uh in the senate it's tied and by virtue of the rules that means the tie breaking vote goes to Kamala Harris vice president it doesn't get any uh closer to that. Uh before uh, we get into uh, uh, the issues. I got to ask you this: when you were doing the recitation, this is the second time I heard it. I love that story. It's like you came awake in 2016. Now I've been doing. I'm the opposite. I've been obsessively following politics pretty much my whole life. Okay, it's like, uh, and I've been making a living out of it since uh, the end of the 70s. So I have a tendency, Rosie. If I make make this confession to you, um, to shame people when they, when i am confronted with their ignorance i got i'm not proud of it you know many guests come on the show give me grief for it go leave the voters alone it's not the voters stop blaming the voters so i'm asking you when you had when you emerged from that cocoon in 2016 and realized how dangerous it was in this country with this lunatic in charge uh, and with maga spreading did you have a reaction Uh, Of any point of sort of like uh, anger, revulsion, criticism at people who didn't know as much as you did or weren't as obsessed as much as you are or weren't as involved as you? How did you how did you deal with that?
0: I got to tell you, you know, you know, you say that uh, you talk to people and uh, you kind of shame them, you know, into not being uh, aware of what's going on. You don't have to shame me because I shamed myself. I realized that, you know, I was the problem. And I was just too busy, not paying attention. And I was the problem. So I got to tell you, I blame myself that I let Clinton do what he did during the years that he was in office, that I let Bush do what he, he did during the years that he was in office, that I let Obama not do enough when he was in office, um, and of course, you know, getting Trump elected. So I blame myself. But I understand You know, people have lives. They're really busy. And so that's why I said to myself, you know, now I'm retired. Now I got to give back. And now I got to help do the things that I know that younger people just don't have the time to do.
2: Uh, All right. Before you you, you said something, I have to just clear it up before we move on. Uh, Clinton do the things that he do. If you were really active in 1998, the way you are now would you have been calling for the impeachment of bill clinton or would you have been vigorously defending bill clinton uh against the republican uh assault
0: you know i gotta tell you at that time i kind of thought he should have been impeached <laughs> i mean I'm, i was not happy at all with his behavior i was not happy with his lies i wasn't happy with hillary clinton and her lies about her uh legal bills and where were they i very clearly remember that, you know, she claimed she could not remember where her legal bills were for Whitewater. They didn't, she didn't know where they were. And then all of a sudden, a couple months later, oh, I think my secretary must have put them on my desk. <laughs> well, I guess I didn't see they were there. You know, what, <laughs> what, you know? But, but, you know? You know what I did? I yelled at my radio. That's what I did. I'd be driving my family. I'd list the fact that, the, that uh, Clinton was so happy about the fact that he is now putting more people in the jail than he did before and taking more people off the welfare rolls than anybody else had done. And I'm driving and yelling at the radio. But do yeah. I do anything else when I get out of the car? No.
2: Well, I, my theory about why Clinton was such a strong proponent of uh, throwing people in the jail is in part because he wanted to prove to the world, and this is relevance to where we are now, he wanted to prove to the world that he was not going to let the Republicans out-tough him on crime. That he was still reacting to the Reagan uh, landslide of 1984, where the Republicans painted the Democrats as soft softened crime, and he was determined... And this was the, the prevailing thought in the Republican party back, uh, excuse me, the democratic party back then, Rosie, it's the prevailing thought of Clinton uh, and uh, Rahm Emanuel that in order to be victorious, we have to move away from the notion that we're a party that cares about the people who are in our party. And we have to sort of uh, imitate Republicans. And that's kind of what Bill Clinton was doing. So I, I got mad at him for doing it, but I also got mad at the Republicans for pushing him to do it. Now, here we are in uh, 2021, and my sense is, tell me if you share this optimism, that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris at the moment seem determined not to make that same mistake. They are not going to allow the Republicans to push them. Uh, into these kind of right-wing ideological programs, they're going to try to stick to the agenda that they ran on. Am I being overly optimistic, or do you share my optimism?
0: You know, i got to tell you, when um, I first pushed that button um, and voted for Biden in the primary, even though he wasn't my first choice and he wasn't my second choice, but I knew that he was probably the right choice for the time, um, I thought to myself, I'm just going to have to live with the fact that the man is a moderate. The man wants to, you know, reach out to Republicans, you know, he wants to compromise, he wants to do, you know, all those things, you know, he's better than Trump, and so I'm pushing the button. Um, And I really didn't expect him to move very much. But I have to say, I've been surprised. He has started to move. He has started to realize that his base wants him to make significant change. His base says the Republicans are sneaks and liars. They're not going to ever work with you. Their goal is to stay in power no matter what. You can't work with them. You have got to come to the realization that you just got to get things done yourself. And I credit his base, us. I credit Indivisible. I credit so many of the other groups that rose up in the last four years and said, we're going to take our country back. And now we're giving you the helm. You know, we're giving you the reins to take our country back. You have got to work with us and do it. And I think he's getting it. And I think Kamala Harris is getting it.
2: Well, that's a good point. David Sirota, uh, who was Bernie Sanders' press secretary and has his own uh, website, uh, and he he speaks to people like me. He's a lefty. Uh, he was hammering hard at Biden in the early days, particularly on the minimum wage. Backing when when they hid behind the parliamentarians' uh, recommendations, so they didn't push hard for the minimum wage. I don't know if he had the votes, whatever, but he didn't push hard for. It. Sirota was hitting hard. I give him credit for it, and and it wasn't like in twenty. Uh, 2009 where Democrats are backing off. Oh, let Obama don't criticize Obama. He's got it. It's tough enough. a job. We love him so much. So I do. I do think you make a good point uh, that the Democratic base is punching a little harder and Biden uh, has responded so far. All right. Now, that brings us to where the, the main topic, the filibuster and with as long as there's a filibuster Uh, There will be there's no hope, in my opinion, of any kind of bipartisan uh, support. So that's my just overall general attitude about the filibuster. Uh, Explain to folks how the filibuster works and how it is a tool uh, by the Republicans to prevent Democrats from implementing their programs. Go ahead.
0: Well, your listeners may be surprised to learn what the filibuster is not. The filibuster is not an actual Senate rule. You won't find a Senate rule that says, here's how to conduct a filibuster, or here's what a filibuster is. Instead, it's just a word that's used to describe the actions taken by a senator to prolong debate and delay or prevent a vote on any bill or measure. Now, the word is very funny. It comes from two different sources. It comes from the Dutch word for freebooter, which meant robber or bandit, and the Spanish Spanish words filibuster. There's a filibusteros, sorry, my Spanish is terrible, filibusteros, which meant pirates raiding the Caribbean in the 1850s. And when it was first used by um, a member of the House in the 1850s, he was calling somebody else on the floor of the House who was speaking internally a filibusteros, a pirate, someone who was stealing the time from the other members of the House and talking internally. And that term ultimately got coined as the filibuster, so anybody who stands up or who takes time away from the Senate, steals time from the Senate, and just refuses to allow anything to get to a vote, um, you know, is filibustering. But otherwise, there really isn't a filibuster rule. So what there is, is the concept of when do you stop debate and go to a vote? Congress is a deliberative body. Their job is they have a group of people who are decision makers. So their job is to deliberate, to talk, to discuss. But at some point, you have to get to a vote. And for a long time, there really wasn't any rule at all um, that uh, even was allowed anybody to stop debate. The debate could go on forever and ever. So finally, um, they decided they needed to have some rule. And they ended up with Senate Rule Twenty Two, which essentially says that today, after it's been changed several times, if you can get sixty of the hundred senators to agree to stop debate, then we'll go to a vote. Well, when you've got a you've got a Senate where you only have fifty-one Democrats or fifty Democrats, with you know the Vice President being the extra vote. There's no way that you're ever going to get 60 senators to vote to stop debate if the other senators do not want whatever it is you want to vote on to come to a vote. And so what the Republicans do is every single time there is a bill that the Democrats want, um, they will say, I object. And as soon as they stand up when the request is made to the Senate, can we vote on this now? Somebody stands up and says, "I object." And as soon as they object, you need sixty votes to get it out of discussion and to a vote, and it just doesn't happen. And that, and you can even not even get a matter to the floor because the leaders know that this bill isn't going to get enough votes to move it out of debate and to a vote, and so they never even bring it to the floor. And that has caused a you know massive deadlock in our
2: Senate. I just think from a tactical standpoint, it makes no sense not to try to bring it to the floor. In other words, this is this is my problem with Democrats right here, just just what you said. So they go, well, we don't have the 60 votes to uh, uh, end the filibuster, so why bring the matter to the floor? My attitude is, hey, you got a bill that you think is popular, like the infrastructure bill, which is uh, has not emerged yet, but will in the coming weeks. It's going to be hugely popular. It's going to be pumping money into the economy, putting people to work. Uh, it would be pretty, really popular with the the big trade unions. Okay, which their vote, their rank and file can go Republican. Those are swing voters in some degree. So it's hugely popular. If the Republicans say no, uh, we we're not going to uh, uh, we we're going to be against it. Why not? Pr- Bring it to the floor. Why not have a debate to embarrass the Republicans uh, into taking a stand that would hurt them politically? Rosie, I don't understand that the 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 thoughts of Democratic strategists in the Senate who won't even bring it to a floor vote if they don't think they have the votes.
0: Well, I will tell you something. You know, you said. Let's do it so we can embarrass the Republicans. Nothing embarrasses these Republicans nothing <laughs> whatever they say today, they can say something else tomorrow with you know not batting an eye about it and you know if people call them on it they say, oh I just changed my mind oh, Well, I didn't really mean that or they don't even give an excuse it's what I'm saying today. So to be honest with you, bringing it to the floor so you can embarrass the Republicans really isn't a very good strategy because it ain't going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, But you can can bring something to the floor, but you waste a lot of time, too, if you really know that you're not getting anywhere with it. Um, You know, I can see why they wouldn't bring it to the floor. The real question is going to be whether or not they can bring it to the floor and then figure out a way to overcome the filibuster, overcome the delay, be able to bring the matter to a vote. That is what they need to be able to do.
2: Yeah, no, that's an existential question. Uh, So if you you have to have a vote on ending the filibuster, is that vote itself subject to be a filibuster?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because uh, Rule 22 itself, which is the rule that says um, that you need 60 uh, votes of the senators to end debate also says you need 67 senators or two thirds of the senators who are present at the time the motion comes up to vote, to stop debate on whether or not you should change the rule. (laughs) So you can really filibuster the change of the rule that allows the filibuster.
2: (laughs) So how can, biden schumer and the democrats get around this
0: well there are a couple options uh, that have been suggested uh one is to use the nuclear option uh quote unquote is called you know generically the nuclear option it's very complicated and it's really a procedure that has been used in the past to get around um the 60 votes uh requirement for ending debate They did it uh, in order to only need a majority vote to end the debate for nominations for federal judgeships. They did it for nominations of Supreme court justices, and they did it for the um, nominations for um, executive uh, office positions. But you essentially what it, what it, it's very complicated, but essentially what you do is um, when, when, you know, someone raises a motion to end the debate Um, and the motion is not carried because you don't have 60 people, then a senator stands up and says to the presiding officer of the Senate, which would be the vice president, "Uh, I challenge, I challenge that rule. And then the presiding officer says, well, you can't challenge the rule because the rule says you need 60 votes. You didn't get 60 votes. You can't do it. Then they say, okay, I want to appeal your decision on my challenge. And an appeal only requires one vote. (laughs) Okay. So then you appeal it. Uh, Then there's a vote on the appeal. You get 51 people to say, you're right, that rule isn't very good anymore for this particular bill. We're going to get rid of it for this particular bill. Then you have a new motion. Okay, now I move again to end debate. This time you only need 51 people to vote for ending debate because you have a change the rule for this particular bill then that becomes a precedent for the next kind of bill that's like this one and now you have the right to end debate with 51 votes Mm -hmm. but it's kind of piecemeal right it only happens with each bill that happens to come up and then another bill that's very much like it um but but they could do that uh angus king said he's willing to be open to the nuclear option to get uh, S1 the, for the people voting right to act passed because he knows what's happening in the states and yeah. how bad voter suppression is and gerrymandering. Yeah. Uh, so that's a way of getting around it. Somebody else, a couple of other people I've read have said they um, think that, again, procedurally, the vice president could actually rule uh, rule 22 unconstitutional. Because if you read the Constitution as a whole, uh, it's pretty clear that the founders intended our democracy to be based on majority rule. And if you can stop legislation by having you know requiring sixty people to vote to let something get to a vote, that's not democratic. And so, if you ever do the nuclear option and uh, you challenge Rule Twenty Two, then the presiding officer, uh, instead of saying. I deny your challenge would say I like your challenge. I agree with you. Rule twenty two is unconstitutional. I'm ruling it unconstitutional, and now we're down to fifty one votes. So that's another option. But all these things are relatively drastic uh, because there is the Senate rule that you know debate can't be ended unless you have a certain number of votes.
2: Well, uh, by the way, that was a great riff. Thank you very much for going on it. Uh, and it seems, uh, based on your riff, pretty obvious to me that the filibuster is not a, a set in stone and you can get around it with that procedural matter. Uh, and I know if the roles are reversed, and we're, we're going to get into the difference between Democrats and Republicans, I know if the roles are reversed, uh and the Republicans held the power that the Democrats had and they wanted to yield it, to wield it, excuse me, they would use that procedural matter on every single bill, boom, 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 down the line. And this gets back to- No
0: question. There's no question in my mind about it. And I think, you know, that is what, you know, progressives are doing when we talk to Biden and we say to him, you know what, Jess, you gotta get that stiff back. You just, you gotta start acting like Republicans. Although we don't like the way they act, right? You gotta be careful about how far you go to the dark side, right? But, I mean, there are things we certainly can do, and we just have to do them. There's no question in my mind.
2: Well, it's like being fair maps. I'm going to tangent here. I, I agree. We should, in a perfect world, have fair maps in every state of the union. Uh, but we don't. So that's why I'm totally opposed to the fair map movement in Illinois. The, the fair map movement in Illinois we give more power to Republicans. And it's not being replicated in any Republican state anywhere. So why would Democrats be so dumb as to give power to the very people they're fighting tooth and nail on a national? Why would they give it to locals? And so that's, but it's it's your point is, if you become too much like Republicans, then you're like evil, little cretins. Uh, but on the other well, hand- well,
0: That's the thing, you know, you can't, you, you can't be like Republicans and talk out of both sides of your mouth. You either support the idea that everyone should have the right to vote and to have representatives that re- represent their interests, Uh, and that you should have maps that represent, you know, who lives where in very fair areas where there are mixed people, or you don't. And, you know, Illinois, unfortunately for us, you know, has been gerrymandered in our favor. In fact, uh, Individual Emerson is going to have a meeting tonight to talk about gerrymandering and fair maps, actually, at 7 o'clock tonight. Um, People can uh, email me if they want to get the link to the meeting. Um, But uh, we have a representative from uh, the Wisconsin Dems Fair Map Um, committee, and she asked me that question. She said, so if I were to propose actions that your members might take that would support fair maps, would people in Illinois support fair maps? And I said to her, you know what? I think that we're all fair-minded, and we think that if we have fair maps, we're gonna win. So that's really the bottom line, Ben, right? I mean, you could say, oh, Illinois, we shouldn't give them any power, but you know what? I really believe that if we have fair maps, we are going to win.
2: Well, Rosie, uh, you and I agree on 90% of things. (laughs) That's the 10% we don't agree on. Uh, And we will leave it uh, at that. Uh, I'm I'm totally against fair maps in Illinois. Uh, if they're not going to have them, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Florida, Georgia, uh, fair maps nationwide. I'm totally for. But if you're you just, know, I say- hear
0: you. I hear you, and I don't have any problem with that. I really don't. I mean, I think you know. Again, if you uh, do it on the national level and you require it on the national level, you require uh, commissions to make fair maps across the nation. Then I think that would answer your your concern.
2: Um, all right, now let's, uh, we went on to a different F, Fair Maps. We left the other F alone, mm-hmm. filibuster. And I'm going to tie everything together. Follow me. I began by saying uh, my problem with Bill Clinton, or one of my many problems with Bill Clinton, I could go on and on with my problems with uh, right. Bill Clinton, but right was that Bill Clinton, Rahm Emanuel view of the world, where in order to win an election, the Democrats moved to the right, OK? Uh, and they don't stand up for what their party supposedly believes in. They don't stand up for what the rank-and-file wants. They desert their rank-and-file. They tell them to shut up, fall in line, do what we tell you to do, and then they cut deals that really hurt their rank-and-file. And And people wonder why, like, turnout's low, people are so disillusioned. Okay, so that's what led to that horrific crime bill in the 1990s. The same mentality, Rosie, is at play follow me on this, with Joe Biden and the filibuster. Joe Biden is so hesitant to say he wants to get rid of the filibuster because he's promoting this notion of bipartisanship. And I remember during the debates in the the fall, Trump and Pence hammering away at Biden and Harris, saying, they're gonna get rid of the filibuster. They're going to get rid of, like, first of all, 99% of most Americans don't even know what the filibuster is, but it's, and then they w- look at the Democrats getting all defensive instead of saying, you're damn tooting." I am going to get rid of it so we can pass legislation to people they want. They, they go, they shake their heads. I can still see them shaking their heads. Oh, there you go again. imitating Reagan. Oh, there you go again. We're not going to intend to get rid of the filibuster. Man, stick a stand. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and so, uh, that That. That notion that there's some kind of bipartisanship that can be achieved so that you can find 10 Republicans to join the 50 Democrats to vote uh, to close debate is as delusional as believing that if we adopt fair maps in Illinois, <laughs> the Republicans will adopt them in Wisconsin, and Michigan, and North Carolina, and Pennsylvania. When are Democrats gonna be stop being delusional? Take it away, Rosie.
0: So let me tell you something. Uh, going back a minute to uh, what happened with the Democrats moving, uh, wanting to become more like Republicans so they thought people would vote for them. Mm-hmm. Um, a big, big uh, point on that is the whole issue of manufacturing and industry leaving this country and going to Asia and other places so that these companies could avoid the higher wages that the workers in this country were paid and get their their goods manufactured by low-wage people in other countries so they could sell them to Walmart, so they could have, sell them at low prices so the same workers who now no longer have any jobs can only buy at Walmart because those are the only prices that they can afford. The, the Democrats did nothing, did nothing to keep those industries from leaving this country. Nothing. In fact, they encouraged it. They did things to encourage it. And then they would tell people, ah, you know, we're going to help you get other jobs. It's going to turn into, we're going to turn it into a, a tech company, a tech country. We're going to turn it into a service com- country for, for tech. We're going to give you all these jobs. That didn't happen. And you know what? Trump came along and said to these people, look, Democrats did nothing for you. I'm going to bring those those businesses back. Now, he lied, and he didn't do it. But he said, I'm going to bring those businesses back for you. I'm going to give you jobs. Don't vote for the Democrats anymore. They lied to you. Vote for me. And damn it, they did. So I blame the Democrats as much as I blame the Republicans uh, for getting to us to the point where the rank and file voted for Trump and still believe in Trump.
2: So do you believe as uh, some Democratic strategists do, some really cautious Democratic strategists, that if, to use that term, the Democrats go nuclear in the Senate uh, and employ those procedural tactics to get around the filibuster, which I urge them to do, that suddenly swing voters throughout Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania will be shocked and stunned and aghast Oh my God! The Democrats are playing tough partisan games. I'm going to vote Republican, which is the it, which is the Bill Clinton, Rahm Emanuel view. Of Absolutely
0: not. You know what's going to happen? I hope. I hope that if we can get these bills passed, and these people's lives are going to get better, because that's really all they want. That's what all of us want. We want to be able to live in an equitable society where we have a fair chance to make a living, to support our families, to you know, worship as we want, etc that's what we want and if the Democrats can deliver that in the next two years and if we can keep you know the the Congress in 2022 and have the next two years to continue to deliver this I think we're gonna turn people back but they they left us because we didn't fill our promises we did not fulfill what we promised them we would do we've got to do that now
2: all right so let's uh, uh talk about if what the Democrats should use to filibuster uh Evasion tactics to pass those Everything. procedural patents. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh,
0: Voting rights, getting rid of gerrymandering, immigration reform, climate change, childcare supplements, infrastructure. You haven't left something out?
2: <laughs> is, there, is there one above, above all others? that would like really set the tone that you would urge uh, Biden and Schumer and Harris and uh, Nancy Pelosi and all the others to uh, put the spotlight on that you think would really give momentum to the Democrats. If you had, like, like I said, this will be a fight and the Republicans will be they, this, they think they can succeed at this. So if it's an issue that has widespread support, it'll hurt the Republicans. So there's their one issue above all others, that you think the Democrats should highlight?
0: You know, they've already done it. They've already passed the COVID Relief Act, which a lot lot of people like, a lot of people like that. They're getting checks in the mail again, um, which the the, uh, Republicans didn't want to do. But to go back to something you said much earlier in the program about how the Republicans um, uh, keep saying that the COVID relief bill was a terrible thing and they didn't support it, Actually, some Republicans went right to their constituents immediately yes. and told them, "Oh, look, we have <laughs> what? We, look what happened! Now you have all these great benefits for small businesses. Look what we did for you." They didn't even vote for it, but now they're taking credit for it. Look what we've done for you. Um, so, COVID relief, I think is something that they were able to do, which is good. And they didn't need the um, fil- they didn't need, uh, to get rid of the filibuster to do because they had budget reconciliation. Um, but infrastructure, I think infrastructure, the two different uh, prongs of their infrastructure plan is going to make a huge difference in this country. It's going to give broadband to rural America. And that is a really, really big thing, Which, because then broadband will attract business. One of the reasons a lot of areas in this country don't have business anymore is because there's no broadband, and people will not move their businesses to places where there's no broadband. So broadband is really, really important. They're going to get broadband. They're going to get infrastructure. They're going to get their potholes filled. And I got to tell you, you know how in Chicago it was really important to get the votes <laughs> for the potholes? Well, we're going to fill the potholes across the entire country, and then we're going to get votes for it. So I think, if anything, that's one of the things that they really need to get rid of the filibuster for to do.
2: By the way. Uh... you you, you, you skated over on another great riff, but just to show you how complicated this stuff is, uh, budget reconciliation. And uh, I know a lot of my listeners are political junkies and they know this, but it does get, it is confusing to folks who are barely paying attention. The notion that there are some matters in the Senate that are related to the budget that can't be filibustered. And there are other matters in the Senate uh, that can be filibusters. And that. Uh, was what the issue over the minimum wage was, raising the minimum wage, where the parliamentarian of the Senate said, I'm sorry, you uh, that can't be part of the budget process. Uh, so how was it? I forgot. I'm actually this is question, Rosie, and I don't know the answer to. A lot of times I ask a question I know the answer to, in case my guest doesn't get the right answer, I could correct him or her.
0: Oh, and this, yeah, this,
2: huh? this is one that is worse because if you don't know the answer, we're really screwed. We'll have to turn to Dennis. So, oh, well, like, that's really it, bad
0: because all he's thinking about is his new girlfriend and his apartment. So right? Exactly.
2: <laughs> hey,
0: hey. And
2: that <laughs> and that lovely blanket. Oh my God, the backdrop! So wrong. for Dennis, all right. So, oh, sorry, anyway, the, so, yeah. so how did the really
0: not only you? not only can you uh, avoid the filibuster? uh, for certain kinds of of, um, matters, like I said, judicial nominations and um, Supreme Court and executive positions. But there are laws that Congress passed that specifically say debate is limited to a certain amount of time. And so you can't have anybody debate forever on it because it's already limited. There's no vote needed. You don't need a vote to end debate so you can go to a vote because the law itself says debate is limited for budgetary matters, somehow a long time ago, and I don't remember when this cat was passed, but long enough ago where the Republicans and the Democrats actually kind of got together sometimes and agreed on things, they passed a law that said for these particular kinds of things, you have to have limited debate. And I think they did it because they realized they would absolutely get nothing done if they at least didn't do the money parts of their job. Yeah. And so that's why if it fits within the parameters of that particular law that says um, that debate is limited, then um, you don't filibuster because uh, you can't have ongoing. You don't need yeah. a vote, to, to, vote to, um, to end debate and go to a vote. And there are other laws like that that have um, those kinds of limitations built into them.
2: Okay. Well, that is the uh, n- uh, n- example on a national level I was getting at with the TIFs on the local level. So, it's the same thing nationally as locally. If you want to get away with murder, just come up with a confusing program that most people don't understand, and you get away with it. Now, most people are baffled. Like, I don't understand. Why can you vote on the, on the budget, but not uh, infrastructure? Ah, I quit. I give up. I'm going to go watch the baseball game. Yeah, I
0: know. Uh, that, that is part of the problem, I guess.
2: That is part of the problem. All right. Uh, we will close with the Jimmy Stewart question.
0: Ah, yes. And you
2: knew this was coming. Yeah, uh, Mr.
0: Smith can go to Washington.
2: Yes, it's a movie that every baby boomer has seen. I'm not sure if millennials have seen it. uh, Where Jimmy uh, Smith, uh, Jimmy Smith, uh, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart? Uh, places, West
0: Wing when when Jimmy Schmidt became president?
2: <laughs> no, it's like my mind is a bizarre salad with all these names floating around. It's a miracle I get through <laughs> one sentence. Anyway, uh, where uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart plays a crusading uh, young congressman or senator, he goes to uh, to uh, Congress, and he filibusters, and he stands, but he has to stand up and literally talk for hours and hours. And they show him in the movie talking for hours and hours, and, you know, you see the beard growing in and Ma- letter. I don't know if you remember this, Rosie. The mail is pouring in and people supporting him. It's, like, taking a, a while. Man, they- they watered it down. Now you don't you you don't have to stand up and vote. You don't have to stand up and give a speech to filibuster. You could just like, oh, I uh, announced I'm filibustering, or you could like mail it. Let it.
0: me tell you how that happened. What happened in oh. the '70s was that they realized that if you let people stand there and talk for hours on the floor of the Senate, then nothing else could get done on the floor of the Senate because that was the only thing that was happening in the Senate was this person standing there and talking. And so they thought, you know what, let's make this easier. Let's make sure that we can get other things done so we can do uh, other bills passed while this one bill is still being debated. And so they changed the rule to say you didn't have to stand there anymore. All you had to do was stand up and object, and then until somebody voted to stop the debate, um, you were still debating, essentially. Now, you know, they thought that this was going to make it easier to make the halls of Congress come together and get bills passed, etc. But because we became so bipartisan, nothing gets done anyway, so... Even though there's nobody there talking anymore, there's still nothing else to do because everything that would be done is going to be filibustered too.
2: Okay, so, so, th- you know. and that's so this-
0: they thought it would make it actually easier to get the rest of the stuff that they needed to get done done.
2: Okay, so that was back in the '70s. I really, I guess I wasn't really paying attention to it back in the '70s. I was probably following the Bulls. But what that's a dumb, talk about. <laughs> what a dumb idea! Just think about it. And remember oh, no, I said what a dumb idea because if you it's like if you can't get anything done, that puts pressure on the senators to end the filibuster. So if you're you've got some doofus Republican going on and on and on because he doesn't want an infrastructure bill passed, which would help millions of people across people across the country. But old old doofus Republican just wants to show that he's standing up to Democrats. You could really embarrass a senator like, well, I don't know if you embarrass any of them, but potentially embarrass a Susan Collins or a Mitt Romney or any one of these Republicans who has to reach across the aisle, so to speak, and needs Democratic votes, okay? You know, who needs Democratic votes. To get, you can embarrass them. You could say, "You, we, are you gonna join our vote to close this debate so we can pass that infrastructure bill? What's your what's your position going to be? And you would force them. You'd give them an incentive to vote to end the filibuster. If you take that away, Rosie, there's no incentive to end the filibuster.
0: Yeah, but you know, you are you are saying all this with 50-50 hindsight here, right? I mean, you knew you know now what actually happened. In the seventies you still had some Republicans who were moderates. You had Republicans who reached across the aisle. You had Republicans and Democrats who could work together. And so they figured, well, we could work together anyway. So let that guy debate, you know, let him filibuster quote unquote this one law. Let's do the other business while he's doing that. No one really anticipated that it would get so bad that you have Republicans who will do anything to stay in power, anything, lie, cheat, anything. (laughs) And so that's now that's where we're at. But they didn't expect this at that time.
2: By the way, I got to give you credit. That's Rosie Rees, fencer. (laughs) Touché, Ben. (laughs) Can't really argue with what you said, Rosie. That was well done. Master (laughs) fencer. (laughs) She's yeah. Zorro, <laughs> which is not working for Indivisible since She's playing Zorro. Um, well, you convinced me. Yes, it is. Um, it is Monday morning quarterbacking. I uh, sit guilty of that. All right, Rosie, before we let you go, uh, give out some information where folks uh, can get involved. They can join the, the crusade. They can. I, I don't think you could convince any Republican in the state of Illinois uh, to be deviate from uh, MAGA land, but you could like, give Democrats a backbone at the very least to stand up to them. Some of these wishy-washy Democrat types would get a little nervous. Uh-oh, I see a shadow out there. I'm really scared. So, so I can uh, tell you something.
0: We, we have wishy-washy senators. We Senator Duckworth has not yet come out and said that she's in favor of getting rid of, or even changing the filibuster. She is still sitting on the fence. Dick Durbin, until last week, was on the fence about the filibuster. Now he's finally come out. And I have to tell you, I think some of it has to do with our pushing him. Indivisible Chicago, Indivisible Evanston, other indivisible groups um, have been pressuring him and both of them Uh, to change their minds about the filibuster. So I recommend to your listeners to get on the phone, to get on the website, to email these people, and to let them know that you want a change in the filibuster and demand it. And the more people that do that, they listen. And the good thing is when they have a lot of emails, they can get on the floor of the Senate and they can say, look, I have all these people who want me to do this. So you know what? I can't back down anymore. It gives them cover. So that's one thing we need to do. We, Indivisible Evanston, working with um, the Democrats in the 46th and 48th wards, are sending postcards to uh, voters in Arizona so they can contact Kirsten Cinema and tell her to change her mind about the filibuster. You can get um, postcards from us if you go to 2744 Eastwood Avenue in Evanston and pick up postcards on my friend Candace Davis's front porch. Uh, write these postcards to the Arizona voters, urge them to contact Cinema and tell her that the filibuster needs to change. And, um, you know, there are, we also are having, uh, like I said, a meeting tonight uh, about Fair Maps, which maybe, Ben, you need to absolutely I'll, listen to.
2: <laughs> you, I'll listen to. You don't you want me to there.
0: In, you need to come and ask our speakers the question that you raise on this show.
2: Uh, but, Yeah. <laughs> like how can how you guys how would you why would you adopt a program that hurts us unless republicans are willing to do the same in wisconsin i i do not understand the. let's leave the fair map thing alone for the moment uh, and i just don't believe the democrats i i think jb pritzker is you know he act he, he actually amiable and nice and like he's thinking about it but i, I think it's going in one ear and out the other cuz jb pritzker is a is too smart to fall for this fair Mac nonsense in the state of America. Anyway, that's me speaking. Uh, R- Rosie's like, Oh my God, there he goes oh again. God, can we get off this subject? <laughs> All right, Rosie, thank you so much for coming on your outstanding guest. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, your filibuster stuff, uh, inside out, we're going to bring you back. Uh, cause this is not going anywhere. Uh, I, I do believe I'm going to make a prediction. I believe that Joe Biden, uh, will take a particular issue and if he sees that he's, it's going to be filibustered, he'll move to uh, get around it with the procedural matter. And I believe Tammy Duckworth will fall in line on that. She'll say, "Well, it's this issue, you know, this one." But that's the that's the little strategy they'll cook up. It'll be this one issue. Uh, you kind of laid it out on the show. Uh, then the issue will will match in West Virginia. Go for it. Will I believe he will? Will cinema in Arizona go for it? That's the one. I'm not quite sure. We'll have to see how this
0: send um, those postcards come pick up those postcards from 2744 eastwood avenue in evanston right to voters in arizona get christmas Chris cinema to change your mind
2: all right thank you very much rosie appreciate thank you very much show. for having me all right d uh that's rosie reese from indivisible evanston uh, any updates rosie. any new information do you want to
1: <laughs> rosie 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 yeah <laughs> find him at the uh, next evanston indivisible meeting everybody ben
2: jarofsky that'll be awesome i think they're gonna don't let him in it's a virtual meeting but they'll figure out some way like you know don't accept his zoom
1: oh uh, yes hippie in the bulls hat
2: please your your comments please
1: okay yeah the bulls all right great mm-hmm the bulls but what about uh politics no
2: no <laughs> Good anyway, times. Uh, uh, any, uh, any updates before we head out the door, young man?
1: Just the update of our lives these days, Ben. Uh, yeah, if you notice, we're changing the format up a bit. All right. Uh, we had Rosie today. One interview. Boom. Done. And what we're planning to do, we're still going to do the local news. All right. Uh, ben and I had a come to Jesus meeting about uh, two weeks ago. Oh, my God. Are you okay? Did you fall? Oh, there you are. Okay. Oh, my. Okay.
2: Don't. Hold don't. on. Let me turn the mic off.
1: There we go. Okay. Uh, ben and myself had a Come to Jesus meeting a few weeks back, and we're reformatting the show. I know a lot of people are bummed out on the live stream chat. Uh, we're going to try and work this out. Hopefully, this will uh, work out for the best here. We're going to do interviews every day, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. And on Thursday, we're going to do the local news, all right? I've been gathering up local news. I started yesterday, all right? I got a few stories. going to gather up the local news, and uh, every Thursday, we're planning to do a uh, a week that was in Chicago and or Illinois. Best of um, the news segment, you know, a week in review. So that's what we're going to be planning on doing here. Same time, 1 p.m. All right. Uh, So that's a little heads up there. Everybody on the live stream chat, we love you, Joan. I sent you an email. So read that email, Joan. Uh, And, yeah, so hopefully you guys will hang in there with us. Um, We're really looking forward to this. I'm very excited about our weekly news show. Uh, So, yeah, I think uh, onward and upward, Ben. Isn't that right?
2: Yes, Onward and Upward. That's our motto on the Ben Jarowski Show. And I want hey. to thank uh, Rosie Reese from Indivisible Evanston. Outstanding job explaining to filibuster, and, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. That has not changed. And as Rosie Reese, Nate, and J.B. Pritzker will tell you, back home at Alton, they call them um, White Lightning. Give yourself a uh-huh. raise. Take it out of Petty Cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. That is correct.
1: far around.